Welcome to the Upper Perkiomen Community Church Podcast. Join us on Sundays at 258 Main Street, East Greenville, Pennsylvania. Refreshments at 9 a.m. Worship gathering at 9.30 a.m. Or visit us online at upcconline.org. Please sit back and enjoy our teaching time now with Lead Pastor John Buckley. You'll take your Bible, please, with me and turn to 1 John chapter 4. We're going to continue in our 1 John series. Thank you to Spencer. I heard you did a great job last week taking us through uh, the passage right before this, first six verses of 1 John 4. We're going to start in verse number 7 today. You can also grab one of the Bibles in front of you and turn to page 1304. Um, if you'd like, if you're interested and you like to write things out, we do have some sheets that have spaces in the back that you can write out notes. Is there anybody that would like a half sheet that has our sermon series on it, as well as it has uh, spaces to write in? I know some people like to write out. Anybody need a half sheet up here in the front, Mike? Over here, Dave? Um, looks like one in the back. And I'll, if you have your phone with you and you use that as your Bible, if you use the U version, if you want to go to that and you go to events section, which is down in the more section in the bottom right-hand corner, and go to events, if you type in Upper Perk Community Church, the outline for our message is there as well, so you're welcome to uh, turn there um, if that helps out. Whatever works best for you to be able to get into the Word with us is what we want. 1 John chapter 4. Now, John here continues a message that he has been hammering over and over again, but he gets very basic in this situation. And and so before we kind of delve into this, there's a couple things that I'd like you to think about and and give me your feedback on. The first is, what would you consider an unloving thing to do to somebody? What would you consider as an unloving thing, action, to do to somebody? Who can think of that? What's an unloving action? You can raise your hand. Yeah, Lucas, what? Murder? Murder, yeah, that's definitely an unloving thing. That's a permanently unloving thing. Yeah, Rick. To lie about them. Slandering them is never a good thing. That's an unloving. How about one more? What's another unloving thing you can do? Yes, Dave. Ignoring. Ignoring. Ooh, yeah, that is. The old silent treatment um, that you give. The worst about that is you have no idea why that person isn't talking to you. You just know that they're not talking to you, right? What are some loving things that you can do or actions you can take towards somebody else? Listen, that's a really big one. It was interesting how it took people longer to put their hands up for that one than it was the unloving things. I guess that reveals our carnality, right? And our fleshly battles that we have. What are other loving things you can do, Brian? Forgive. Forgive. What's one other? What's another loving, a loving action towards somebody else? What? Hugs. You just got to make sure you hug the people that want to be hugged. Otherwise, it's considered an unloving action. <laughs> Get permission ahead of time. In this day and age, maybe written permission on that. (laughs) But hugs. There's these loving and unloving things that we can do. And most of us, it doesn't take much to realize what are loving and unloving things to do. We know that. We're taught that. Although it seems more and more in our culture that we don't quite understand that. That's why we have the scriptures, though. The scriptures make it very clear on what they are. So Remember, John is dealing with a group of individuals who are dealing with with another group called the Gnostics who are constantly trying to redefine who God was and making him more the spirit than actual the fact that they can have a relationship with this God. So as we go through this passage today, I want you to really consider this 
And we're going to wrap up with this as well, but my title is The Greatest of These is Love. Now, to hear that and to do that are two completely different things. The greatest of these is love. You're going to see love mentioned many times in these few short verses as we really examine what John tries to lay out here to this group of people that he loves dearly, and you see that in his terminology. In verse number seven and eight, we'll start there. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Now, that seems like a lesson to take down to our preschoolers and to teach. And yet it's the foundational lesson that we have to really make sure we understand to be able to teach it to those preschoolers. And what we see here is that love is a sign of our lineage. Love is a sign of our lineage. As followers of Jesus Christ, our lineage, our right is that we are individuals who can love because why? God is the source of love. God is the source of love. We never have to love anyone on our own. Do you hear that? We never have to love anyone on our own. Now, there are certainly people that are easy to love. There's usually reasons for it, what I can get out of it. I love people. Um, I don't know if they let kids do this now, but when I was in school, we did the lunch trading game. And you got your lunch, and uh, we mostly brought our lunches to school. I don't really remember hot lunches, but they probably had them. I just, my parents just probably never let me have them. But I remember we go to, the, to there, and my, uh, anybody remember what bologna is? <laughs> anybody still eat bologna? Yeah. Wow, I'm, I'm impressed. I am in Pennsylvania where they eat scrapple, so uh, I have to remember that. We were in Virginia, and there was a, a restaurant we went to for breakfast, and there was these people behind us, and they were asking, they were serving Scrapple at this restaurant in Virginia. Interesting. And they were saying, what is Scrapple? And the waitress, based, this is what the waitress said, it's kind of like cornmeal, I'm sure you'll like it. Or cornbread, I'm sure you'll like it. I'm like, it is not like cornbread. <laughs> and I, they were like just ordering, but I actually wanted to stay around just to watch them when it came to them, but I, I didn't do that. <clears throat> Boy, I'm getting myself way off here on things. But we don't have to love people on our own. Because in, in our situation, we're very limited. And when we have the lunchroom things, what you would do is, I love the kids in my, my immature way of loving. I love the other kids that would give me the stuff I wanted to trade off mine. I hated bologna. My mom loved to give us bologna and fake cheese. You know, the cheese slices, the, Ameri the processed cheese food. What a word, huh? Processed cheese food. Uh, put it on there. And then mayonnaise and mustard. And I'm not a, I'm not, a, I'm a mayonnaise fan, but I'm not a Hellman salad, or the, the salad dressing one that looks like it has a whole different flavor. And my mom loved buying that. I guess it's probably cheaper is my only guess on that. And then, and man, if we ever got snacks like, you know, Ho-Ho's, do people remember Ho-Ho's? Because then you could take the, 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 uh, the, the covering on them, the aluminum foil, and make balls and throw it at people, and okay. I digress again. But you love those individuals, you can trade, man, the friends that you got, oh man, I love this guy or this girl, why? Not because you loved them, you wanted to take them on a date, you loved them because they gave you what you wanted. Man, I scored big today at lunch. I got some sucker to take my bologna cheese and he gave me a peanut butter and marshmallow sandwich, so life is good. 
Love can be very often based on that, but as Christians, God's the source of our love, and the great thing about that is we don't have to do this on our own. In fact, due to our earthly limitations, we're incapable of loving the way that God loves us, but we can imitate his love. And that's the key to all this. God is love. Now, we hear that, but God doesn't just love. God is love. God's very nature is love. Everything he does is from a heart of love. If we're his children, then we will show that love to others. So again, verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another. Why? For love is from God. You don't have to do it, but we're called to love others, not through our power, but through God's love through us. You tap into that love. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Now, again, if you weren't here earlier, this word knows keeps popping up throughout the book of 1 John. This knows is that intimate love. We talked about how it's better. It's not just the whole sexual intimate. It's intimate as far as knowing people, like those couples you meet that can finish each other's sentences. It's that knowing. You, you know that person inside and out. And God says here, we have the ability to be able to do that. Why? Because we've been born of God and know God. If you're a child of God, you've not only been born, you have a relationship with God, but you now know God. And my prayer every day when I pray is, Lord, help me to know you at the depth that I'm able to as a human being. I want to know God better. Why do I want to know God better? Because I know that as I know God better, I'm going to know how I'm supposed to treat other people, how I'm supposed to live my life, how I'm supposed to do the things that God calls me to do. Verse 8, anyone who does not love, does not know God. Why? Because God is love. Now, that doesn't mean there aren't people that we are going to have a hard time humanly loving. They're out there. We can make a list of them. (laughs) Hopefully not longer than a list of people we love, but they're out there. But as Christians, we are called to love others. Now, the ones we can't love in our own love is when we tap into God's love and say, Lord, you're going to have to help me love this individual, this situation. And it's amazing to me how I could give you story after story after story of people who said, I could not love that person, and then God helped them to love that person. See, we limit what we think God can do. Why? Because we view it through our human lens. But I can't do that, God. You're right. And God knows you're right. That's why God says, tap into me. As children, how many times do they have to reach out to mom and dad knowing that they're incapable after they've tried their best? One of my favorite stories of that is when my grandpa, who was an amazing model person, he could make models, model ships. He had like those big like British uh, warships he would make. And the little tiny, he had his, his magnifying glass he wore on his head and he could get the glue where it didn't smear. And he did this amazing job. He made model cars and they looked just like the box picture. So I wanted to be like my grandpa. So my grandpa bought me for my birthday one of those fighter jets. And the box has got the fighter jet and like the flak blowing up and the guy in the cockpit. Man, I couldn't wait for my plane to look like that plane. So lesson number one, when you open up the box, the plane pieces aren't just there. You have to actually twist them off this other plastic contraption. Man, already work. This is supposed to be fun. So, man, you're doing that. Now, when you're seven years old, you're not worried about precision. You're worried about speed. So you're trying to twist them off, 
breaking off, leaving part of the wing on the plastic skeleton there. You know, it's a mess. Now, I will have to say, when I finally got all the pieces off, Grandpa was very smart. I wanted to use the glue that Grandpa used. If that would have happened, my fingers would still probably be stuck together to this day. I'd have to do everything like this. He gave me good old Elmer's glue, which doesn't hold models together very well either, but that's another story. So I got it out, and I watched the box, and I put it together, and Grandpa said, can I help you? No, I got it, Grandpa. I can do this. And I finally got the plane together, and I looked at the plane with globs of glue dropping off of it. The guy in the cockpit like this, rather than like this. The planes barely discernible as actual, I mean, the wings barely discernible as wings. And I looked at that, and I looked at the box, and I looked at that, I looked at the box, and I started crying. <laughs> Went to Grandpa. Granny can't die. You know, when you can't talk, sobbing. And Grandpa very gently took the plane and got some warm water and a sponge and peeled the plane apart and fixed it to the best of his ability and redid the decals. And when it was done, it certainly looked a whole lot more than the like the box than when I did it. See, I mean, I was incapable at seven years of age of really knowing how to put together that model. And you're going to be in situations where as you as a human being are incapable of doing it in your own power. And one of those is to love the way that God intends for us to love. But he's provided the way by him, him and his very nature being love. And you, if you're his child, have his DNA in you. So you have the capability to love in the same ways that God loves us. We see in verse number 9 and 10, love is shown by God. Not only is God love, and it's a sign of our lineage, but love is shown by God. Verse number nine. And the Bible says this, and this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. See, love is shown by God. He sent his son for us. And this, the love of God, was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world. Why? So that we might live. Don't forget those last two words. Through him. So that we might live through him. He loved us so much that he knew that we were born in sin. And rather than wiping us off, that he could have very easily done on more than one occasion, instead, he sent Christ to die on a cross so that you and I could have redemption, his only son. Now, we as humans have such a limited perspective, and we think, well, yeah, God sent his son to die on the cross. Yeah, big deal almost. Have you ever been anywhere close to having to deal with the loss of a child? Some here in this room have dealt with the loss of a child. It's heart-wrenching. It's indescribable. My wife and I, we had a little baby that was born. She was seven months in the womb. She lived about an hour. We didn't know her intimately. The pain was deep, but not like somebody who loses a seven-year-old or a 17-year-old or a 27-year-old. They're deep pains. I do remember the time my son Caleb, I was at church leading a meeting before a Sunday night service, and I got a call that my son needed to get rushed to the hospital. My wife was there. And uh, they pulled in and they grabbed me. And my son had his arm on a pillow. My son Caleb was probably four at the time. And you could distinctly tell that the arm was broken. I mean, it was not going in the right direction. 
And the hardest thing in those times is I couldn't do anything but to take him to the hospital. He ended up having to have surgery, and praise the Lord, everything went fine. But to be in that helpless state where you can't do anything is one thing, but to be the one that would actually send your child to suffer the death that Christ suffered because you love mankind the way you do is mind-blowing. God loves us so much, folks, that he sent Christ, his only son, to die a cruel death on a cross that we might have life. God sent his son for us. Verse 10, again, and this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. He sacrificed his son for us. Now, what is love, does it say here? What is real, selfless, sacrificial love? It came to us as Christ was sacrificed for us. <clears throat> we're capable of loving at the level that we can as human beings, but we're not capable in our strength and power to love at the level that Christ loved for all mankind to be able to experience what we are able to experience through Christ's death. This is a call for us to really look at our hearts this doesn't mean that we'll never struggle, but it's a call to remind ourselves what he went through that we might have life. He became the propitiation. That's a big word. It's only used a handful of times in the Bible, in the New Testament. The literal aspect of it, when you look at the word propitiation, or the easy one, it's a definition, it's a payment for. That he was the payment for our sins. But, you know, there's a little bit more of a deeper meaning here to this. It's taken from a word that's actually out of the Hebrew, and it refers to the mercy seat, that Jesus Christ became the mercy seat. Now, the mercy seat was a lid on the Ark of the Tabernacle. And in, in Exodus chapter 25 and verse 22, God said this, that he would meet his people there at the Ark. See, Christ met us where we were at and took on our sin and became the payment for our sin that we might be seen as spotless before God the Father. Wow. We are seen as spotless before God the Father, innocent because of what Christ did. Can you imagine if we had a trial here today and six of you saw somebody in this room kill another person? You saw it. I mean, it was just blatant. They bludgeoned to death. They shot him, whatever it is. But you saw, we saw that. Six of you saw that. The trial, it was obvious this person did that and they deserved death themselves. But what if one innocent person in this room that had nothing to do with this situation said, you know what, you're calling for the death of this individual for the crime that they committed, I'll take their spot. I'll die in their place. We would all be flabbergasted. Why would somebody do that? How could they do that? They're going to leave their family for this guy? I mean, he's a scoundrel. He killed somebody in cold blood. He deserves death. And I take you back to the prophet Nathan when David irately said that the person that took that one sheep should die. And Nathan pointed that bony finger because David had taken Bathsheba and said, you are the man. And as your anger rises, the fact that somebody might stand up here and take the place of a known killer, make sure you see the bony finger pointing at you because it's us who put Christ on the cross. Our sins are what crucified him. But he did it 
because he loved us. He didn't go up there and say, well, I'll die for some of them. I'll die for the lovable ones, not the despicable ones. I'll die for these sins, but not these sins. I'll die for the level ones, but not the level tens. No, Christ died for all. That we all might have eternal life. Let me read verse 10 again to you. And this is love. Not that we've loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the payment, the mercy seat for our sins. For our sins. The last thing I'd like to look with you in verse 11 and 12 is that love is shared by us. We just see this continue to cascade down these thoughts into verse 11, and you see the tenderness of John once again as he says in verse 7, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Love is shared by us. We show love to each other. He said that up ahead of here already, didn't he? Hey, the way we do that is we show love. And he says it again. You think there's a theme here? God loved you. Now you're supposed to go and love other people. When it's easy, when it's hard, when it's really, really hard is when you go, God, I can't love this person. You have to love them through me. And he does. But we show love to each other. He makes it very clear here. He doesn't say, if God so loved us, we can love one another. That word ought is actually a command. We are called to love one another. We are demanded to love one another. It should be natural because his DNA is my DNA, so I should easily love other people. And I believe a lot of times as Christians, the reason that we're so easily agitated by others is because we allow the outward to be our judge rather than allowing the Spirit of God work through us and to see people through Christ's eyes, we see them through our limited fleshly eyes. That's why we think when people drive the way they do, they got it out for us. <laughs> if a clerk doesn't treat us right, you know, well, what, you know, we, we again can vilify that person. Why don't we try to see them through Christ's eyes? You don't know where that person's driving to. You don't know what kind of day that clerk's had. You don't know what your neighbor is dealing with. You don't know what your spouse is battling. You don't know what your parents are going through. Parents, you don't know what your kids are facing. Not fully. And if we can look at people through Christ's eyes, it's a whole lot easier to love them, realizing again how much Christ loved me, and I am unlovable. And you know what? So are you. Because if people saw us how we really were, the good burns away really quickly. And we're left with the selfish drives and motivations that we have, the fears, the manipulations. But Christ loved us. Verse 12. <clears throat> we share what he gave. Verse 12. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. No one has ever seen God. The closest someone got was they got to see the backside, the glory of God passing by, Moses and Joshua. And it made them shine up like a thousand watt bulb. But you know what? He says this, not, no one has seen God, but what? 
If we love one another, God abides in us. One of the fruits of the Spirit of God living in us is that we will love other people because we don't have to do it in our own strength again. We're doing it because the Spirit of God lives in us and is at work through us. And his love is perfected in us, matured in us. It's continually to be developed in us. So that's the cool thing is, I might still struggle as I get to know Christ more, as I'm more obedient to him, because the work that he's done in me, I can then love other people more naturally because his DNA is more apparent and evident in what I do. Watch children as they grow up and you see their characteristics of their family become much more defined. Some are very apparent when they're young. But as they grow up, you see defining features in the way they look and on the way that they act. And as we are more mature in our relationship with Christ, we see Christ's defining qualities become sharpened in us as we live in obedience to him. So I have a few questions I want you to consider. The first one is the most important one. Do you personally know Christ? I'm not asking if you go to church, if you give to a church. I'm asking if you've ever come to a point where you've recognized your need for a savior and have accepted his gift of salvation and you yourself have become a child of God recognizing he was the only one that can save you. If not, I I encourage you today to make this be your spiritual birthday, November 10th, 2019, that you took the time to accept his free gift of salvation. The second thing I'd like you to consider is how have you shown Christ's love? This week, this day, maybe it wasn't such a great day so far. Maybe there was some arguments in the car. Maybe you wanted that last donut and kind of pushed somebody else out of the way, or that last cup of coffee. Maybe it wasn't a great day for you. Maybe yesterday wasn't. But I love that God's mercies are new every day. I love that God gives us second, third, fourth, and 15,022 chances. But we do need to understand that if we're his children, that we will show his love to other people. Now the easy, natural ones, I get that. But what about the hard ones? John, I don't know how to do that then he asks God to do it through you. The last question is, who will you show Christ's love to this week? Now, I want you to think and actually write this down. Now, you can do it in your mind, but nine times out of 10, that mind does not retain the way we'd like it to. But what if you put it on your phone or on a piece of paper? Who's the hardest person that you could love this week? I encourage you to put their name down. Maybe you gotta start easier. Maybe I need to love my spouse better, my kids better, my parents better, my employee better, my employer better. But I encourage you, put this into action. God wants to and commands us to allow his love to flow through us, so why don't we be particularly focused on how we're gonna see that happen in our own life this week? How will you show Christ's love this week? Would you do me a favor as we wrap up this message and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13? I did not write down the page number in the Bibles in front of you, but I want to turn over to 1 Corinthians 13. And I want to encourage you with 1 Corinthians 13 that this is a great reminder about the power of what love can do that comes from God. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 
Verse number one. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to move, remove mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love doesn't envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It doesn't insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Love never ends. Folks, that's the love that comes through a relationship with Christ. We are limited, but God is not. Why not allow his love to pour out through you in the relationships that you have this week. Pray with me that you can better tap into his love. If you're here without Christ, pray and ask him to come into your life and to save you. This love isn't for the elite, it's for the everybody. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Again, God, what a conviction that John brings to us about the simplistic and foundational stuff of our faith, but the stuff that we can pass by and forget about, God. Help us to be called back to how we can love others. Lord, through the DNA we have in you, but also, Lord, the difficult ones through asking you to love others through us, God. Help us all to think of people that we need to love through your strength and power today, Father. We ask this in your precious name. Amen.